chain. Welcome to the podcast for civic leaders who aren't just in it for the buffet. My name's Duncan Baskaran Brown. Let's be more than a chain. Seventy-three years ago, nuclear weapons were dropped on Nagasaki and Hiroshima. Without question, that is one of the most significant events in human history. And that is why August should always be a time for peace. That's why this episode is dedicated to all the mayors for peace. Dedicated to all those civic leaders that are out there trying to make a difference in their community, trying to make the world a better place. All the civic leaders that are more than a chain. Coming up on today's show, we've got the big, big interview with John Cousins, longtime campaigner, former mayor of Glastonbury and full-time mayor for peace. We've got an amazing civic role model. We've got all the network news and your indispensable civic roundup, media mayor. Let's get on with it. Let's be more than a chain. It's interesting times in network news. You see, the point of a network is to connect people. And that's what we've always been trying to do at the National Network for Civic Leaders is to connect civic leaders and people who are interested in civic leadership. But that's quite hard to do until now, because now we've got a Facebook group. So you can actually connect with each other. You don't have to go through me anymore. You can actually just log on to a Facebook group and have a chat among yourselves. How awesome is that? That's actually a genuine network. So I know you're going to want to join the group. You can do one of two things. You can go to theciviccoach.com and look at the show notes for this show and that will direct you to the Facebook group. Or you could just put The Civic Network into Facebook Click on the group and ask to join. I'll let you join because I'm nice like that. It will ask you a couple of questions. Who you are, what kind of council you're involved in, what, what you're interested in, that sort of thing. But we will let you join. So I'm really looking forward to seeing you there. We've already started to encourage a little bit of debate in there and what... I think is is it can be a place for you to to share your wins to say what's going well you know what's inspired you what you're doing a good job with I think it can also be a place to share how you've achieved those great things and what it is that you've done to uh, score those big wins and I think also it can really be a place to support each other you know when people are having troubles we can offer them solutions to their problems and generally tell them that they're on the right track and keep going so jump onto facebook type the civic network in and look for the group join up and i will see you there this month on media mayor mayor goes off script that will be dr lord mayor diy civic leader Chairman Mayor, 
city dies with Mayor. Mayor apologises to Van Gogh. Mayor goes off script. Michael Hancock, Mayor of Denver, recently delivered his State of the City address. And it was alright. But the scripted bits were a bit forced. They didn't work amazingly well in comparison to the little asides and jokes he made with the audience. And when he kind of broke from his script, he seemed a lot more human, came across as much more genuine. And it was just better received by the audience. Is this a surprise? Not majorly. I've seen hundreds of local politicians and civic leaders talking to their scripts, following their scripts, and then they just realize they want to add something and they look up from their script and they look at the audience and they start talking and they come across genuinely as themselves and it's a thousand times better. You can actually see it in their eyes when their eyes start to sparkle because they're talking about something they genuinely love rather than reading a script. So what's the headline news? You need a script sometimes. You need a plan every time you make a speech. But you know what? If you can speak from the heart, be genuine, be yourself, talk about stuff you're passionate about, you will connect with way more people than if you're reading from a script. That'll be Dr. Lord Mayor. Recently, Carl Austin Behan, genuinely, genuinely great guy former Lord Mayor of Manchester and unquestionably one of the best civic leaders of his generation, was recently awarded an honorary degree from the University of Manchester. And do you know what? I think he deserved it. He's a great guy. He had a big impact on his community. He did some amazing things when he was, was Lord Mayor. First openly gay Lord Mayor of Manchester, youngest ever Lord Mayor of Manchester, and the best in about the last 25 years? Easily, easily. Fantastic guy, so congratulations, Carl. Richly, richly deserved. And a bit of food for thought, you know? You do a proper job, you do get recognition for it. DIY civic leader, Ron Whittle, Mayor of Bridge North, has received many, many complaints about the state of his town. People are telling him there's too much rubbish, it's just not tidy enough, and the council should do something about it. Hey, we've all heard statements like that. We've also probably replied with the following thing. Do you know what? We'd love to, but the, mayor, the, the council does not have the time or the resources to do anything about it. Sorry. Except Ron went further, didn't he? He didn't just say sorry, he said, hey, why don't you do something about it? Why don't you get together, volunteer, and start doing some litter picking? Do a bit of cleaning up, sort out your community. If you care about it, then do something about it. And do you know what, Ron? I think that's fantastic. I hope you really pick up this ball and run with it. And everybody you meet, everybody you see, you encourage them to get more involved in their community. Instead of just complaining about the stuff that's not working so well, help them get out there and do something about it. That 
really is one of the best things councils can do is to enable people in their community to actually solve the problems that they've identified so top work ron i hope you continue to do that throughout the rest of your time in office chairman mayor i know i know it's incredibly childish but i just found out that fenland district council chairman is called k mayor so she's chairman mayor i found that funny and incidentally if you've ever met a mayor whose surname happens to be chairman i'd really like to know about it drop me a line at info at the civic coach.com city dies with mayor i don't often run obituaries in this slot but i thought it was worth mentioning Bruce Lorenzo. He died recently at the ripe old age of 86 after being mayor of Russo in North Dakota for over 30 years. That's an amazing achievement and I'm sure he's done a lot for his community. In fact, he kept his community going. He managed to coerce enough people to join the city council that, that's three people, by the way, he managed to coerce to join the city council. Uh, and to keep the his Rousseau registered as a, a proper city. I know I'm stretching the, the idea of a city. But anyway, to keep it registered as a community with a functioning local government. He managed to impress two more people recently onto the city council and keep it going. But with his passing, it seems like the town will no longer be recognized officially as as a place so literally with bruce's death the community no longer exists so that that really is commitment to your community mayor apologizes to van gogh a florida mayor has recently apologized to a couple who painted their house well in the style of Van Gogh, uh, although, of course, it was in America, so they would say it was in the style of Van Gogh. I don't think we should get too uppity about it because uh, neither of us are pronouncing it anyway, like the way the Dutch do. But anyway, I'm not here to criticise this particular mayor or this city council for the argument they got into with this couple about painting their house in some crazy Van Gogh way. I just thought... I'd stick some photos on the show notes to it. You've got to have a look at it. They have gone far, far over the top with their Van Gogh theme painting. But, you know, good on them. It's amazing, amazing stuff. And they did it to uh, calm down their son who has some issues. So, you know, I think they've really done a good job. Check out thecivitcoach.com. Have a look on the show notes. You'll see some photos of the Starry Night House in Florida. It is amazing. And now, a word from our sponsors. Do you like buffets? Do you like feeling important? Do you like doing things the way they've always been done? Then you are going to hate Unchained 2018. It's the free online conference that will help you throw off the shackles of tradition and become a 21st century civic leader. You'll hear from experts in communication, leadership and local government and meet the best civic leaders from all over the world. Don't miss the civic event of the year. 
Sign up now at civicleaders.co.uk. Buffet not included. I'm joined today by an author, a musician, a community organiser, and I think it's fair to say a lifelong campaigner. But most interestingly, from our point of view, it's last year's Mayor of Glastonbury, John Cousins. Thank you very much for joining us today, John. Hello. And I, I'm here in uh, deepest, darkest Somerset. And uh, we're uh, on very, we've got uh, candlelight providing the light here. Uh, as of course I have very green credentials. Excellent, excellent, perfect. So um, it's, it's probably a strange way to start an interview, but um, could you just explain to everybody that Glastonbury is, is actually a town and not just a festival? Yep, Glastonbury is a town. It's a very small town, but it's not just a festival. Of course, Glastonbury was once um, a very important place of pilgrimage. So the reason why there is such a place as Glastonbury, as many listeners will know, is that there was an abbey here and the abbey was very important in the Middle Ages as a place of pilgrimage. And also has all these connections to the weird and wonderful stories of Joseph of Arimathea, the Holy Grail, and of course, King Arthur, who is obviously buried here because we are also the mystical Isle of Avalon. And all of these things are the type of things that inspired the young Michael Levis in his youth. And I, I've talked to Michael about why the festival's called Glastonbury, and it's very much those things. And that's why there's a pyramid and it's all on ley lines, etc. So Glastonbury, the town, was here before Glastonbury, the festival. And Glastonbury, the town, has a, a reputation of myths and legends going back way way beyond anybody's memory fantastic and i mean it is a, it is a wonderful place glastonbury my wife and i we regularly do the pilgrimage down to to see you um it's it's a lovely town in fact she usually jokes that um next time i'm mayor can i be mayor of glastonbury to which i always reply no darling you would be a better mayor of glastonbury than me so let's get into what actually makes a, a great mayor of Glastonbury and of course you've sort of alluded to the fact that there's a special vibe there's a there's a bit of an ethos uh, to to Glastonbury so how did you you try and represent that and reflect that in your time as mayor? That's an interesting question because obviously <clears throat> like any place uh, you know there's as many different versions of that place as the people who who live there everybody's got their own idea of what somewhere's like but um for me, what I, what I felt was important was what Glastonbury Festival captures and what Glastonbury's visitors want is, is something about that magic, something about the myths and the legends that, that inspires and that has always attracted people to place. And so for, for me, what I wanted to do was to bring that up the agenda, as it were, for the town. And there were a number of real sort of very mundane reasons why that's important. One is that we've got a couple of areas in the town. There's only 8,000 people here, but a couple of areas of high deprivation. And what I've always pondered is, how can a place like Lastonbury, which has all these amazing sort of things going for it, the festival, its myths, its legends, how can we have deprivation in a town that really other towns would give their eye teeth to have the type of promotion that we get? So for me, that was 
that was quite important to try and, for want of a better term, capitalize on some of that myth, the legends, the, the kind of reputation that we have. We are a place which attracts people. And so we wish as a town to flourish, we need to really embrace that. And I'm not sure whether in the past people have really understood that about, about Glastonbury. And that really, that really comes down to its more recent history as a place of manufacturing. Of course, we've got the famous Clark's Shoes just down the road. And here in Glastonbury, there was a place called Moorlands, which used to provide the RAF with the sheepskin coats and the, the caps that used to see the pilots wearing years ago. And, and that was very important. And it was quite different to the kind of thing that attracts people to the festival and people to Glastonbury today. And so there's been a bit of a bit of a time of change and transformation within the town. And I, I felt that uh, as mayor, it was a good opportunity to try and bring together and unite uh, a lot of the, the different opinions about Glastonbury into some form of, of um, cohesive, agreed perception of place. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that's very interesting. I think you're sort of trying to use the, the, the mystical, more less, less real aspect of it to, to help people in an absolutely down-to-earth, day-to-day way. Yeah, absolutely. I've often, I've often pondered it would be a little bit like being the town next door to Disneyland not making any use of Disneyland in, in your own economy. So we're the, we're the town that is really, you know, the Isle of Avalon and all those things. They're, I'm not sure that whether they're not real. <laughs> I think they probably are very real and they're certainly very important to many, many visitors to the place. And we get hundreds of thousands of people coming here. So, you know, this is a, a major attraction to Glastonbury but not something that the great and the good and the civic side of the town has perhaps always wanted to embrace. And um, I feel that, that that's been quite a big change over the last two to three years that, that um, you know, we have as a town be, begun to really understand who we are as a town, what we are and where we are. Yeah, I think that, that that's very interesting. I mean, that I, I guess is one of the challenges for us as first citizens to 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 reflect uh, the identity of the town, and to do that, you have to really understand and be very clear about what what you are as a place. Yes, absolutely, I think that I think you've hit the nail on the head. The mayor is the first citizen, and the mayor should be representing in in a very sort of mundane and temporal way for want of a better term whatever it is that your town represents and um, that I think is the key to morality if you if you really want to be a successful mayor you need to understand where you come from you need to understand the people and you need to be able to with some form of um, authority but not not a harsh authority but an authority from that understanding from that knowledge some form of authority to to be that place if it's possible as a human being 
<laughs> yes, I suppose it is a big job being an entire town, even <laughs> even a relatively modest one like Glastonbury. Which brings me on to something that that really has been developing in the through, throughout the interviews I've been doing for this conference. The the idea of being a community expert now. Uh, you've you've written about Glastonbury. You clearly you have a feel for the place. So. Um, I'm going to describe you as a community expert, a Glastonbury community expert. And do you think that that really has helped you in your time in office? I think what's been important is that I'm I'm a sort of trained community organiser, if such a thing can exist. So um, I've been working on a programme that came out of the uh, coalition, a cabinet office programme called Community Organisers and I'm now in a position of being a senior community organiser and what that means is I listen and I make it my job to listen to my community and to listen to as many people in the community as possible to get an understanding of what they love about the place what their concerns are what their visions are for the future and it's in doing in doing so I gain myself a better understanding of place and yes I have written about the history I've written about the economic uh, development and and you know all the effects that have happened over the time right back into the founding of place but what's even more important than that is knowing where you are now and being able to to reflect that and it is a it is a process of reflection and it's it it is it's a major undertaking i mean you know for us i mean i know you've been mayor as well for us as mayors we're not paid for these roles you know we're we're doing this in a voluntary capacity and it takes up quite a bit of time and for us to to do this is is quite a major undertaking you joked earlier about it being quite a major undertaking to represent a town or a community in that way and and you're absolutely right and that's part and parcel of of this role isn't it the morality role um and so you have to love place i don't think you could be a successful mayor if you were just doing it because you always wanted to impress your folks by being the mayor or something like that i mean people do it for that reason but to be really successful and to really make the most of being first citizen and make the most of the provenance of that role you have to you have to be part and parcel of your own being is, is invested in the place you come from. Absolutely. I, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, it, it is hard work. So you, you have to love your community. And I think you're, you're right. You need to, you un, need to understand the, the history where you're coming from, but you also need to understand the present because we are not uh, museum pieces. Mayors are not uh, historical reenactments, are they? They are at least the best ones are people who actually have an impact on their community and i think you you were talking about really listening to your community and really getting to understand what people want from their council so did you find going out into the community as mayor a great way of listening to people and, and getting that understanding what struck me as very interesting what i ne never realized before actually being there was that um the the name and the position has some provenance with it it has some clout it has some meaning to people that makes them react to you in a in a in a slightly different way first of all it, it gives you some sort you i mean without even knowing that you're first citizen 
people react to you in a, in a different way like that, don't they? They react to you like uh, you're, you are something important. And so what it did for me was it, it opened that door. It made it easier to ask the questions. It made it easier. I didn't have to explain who I was and what I was doing. People were going, oh, you're the mayor, you know, and it was, so that it made it easier in a way. And also because you're the mayor, people want to tell you. You know, they really want to tell you when something's not happening the way they think it should. <laughs> and they also actually, if you can, if you can, uh, if you and the council can be successful at addressing some issues, then the community is very good at feeding that back to the mayor as well. Probably more respectfully than to just a mere councillor. So the, there's all of this sort of um, extra razzmatazz or magic or, or something to do with being there that, that actually has some real clout. For instance, I was able as mayor to summon the police and crime commissioner to Glastonbury to talk with me about what our community's issues were. So I, I listened a lot to people around their concerns around, uh, well, at the time it was antisocial behavior and drugs, crime, etc. in the town. And I was able to summon her. I, I didn't think she would come, but it was almost like, you know, the mayor says, come, they come, you know. <laughs> yes, yes so, wave the bling and hope for the best. That's, uh, but it worked. It did work. And um, out of that, uh, we went through a process of consultation with the community and engagement that led to uh, a r very real uh, result related to the general power of competence which is uh, that we are now, as a town, raising through the precept the funding for our very own PCSO, who will, will patrol the streets in, in Glastonbury. So it wasn't just that I was like, well, I'm the mayor, I'm going to summon the police and crime commissioner. It was with the purpose to, to consult, engage, to get the community's agenda on her table so that, to, so that she was basically having to deal with what everyone in the street was talking about and come up with some some uh, ideas some solutions some ways of addressing this that we could take back to the community which we did and that PCSO with the town for of 8,000 people equaled one pound a month on the precepts and people when they were when they were faced with will you, will you contribute this to keep the streets safe they were happy to do so, you know, and so that whole, that's a combination, that's combining the mayorality, community organizing, and the, the community itself into coming up with solutions through the wonderful thing, which is the, the Localism Act 2011, and the great sort of community rights that are, are there. And I think that that's, again, as, as mayor and a, as a community organizer, I wanted to, to maximize the impact of that, what I believe is a really great piece of legislation. Fantastic. I mean, I think I, we could talk about collaboration and listening for, for a, a long time, but one of the things I particularly wanted to talk to you about, which I think fits so well with the Glastonbury ethos, is the Mayors for Peace programme. So oh, yeah. just explain a little bit about the Mayors for Peace programme. Well, Mayors for Peace is a, in, an international movement founded by the mayors of Hiroshima and Nagasaki um, to really push for 
nuclear disarmament, uh, complete nuclear disarmament uh, across the world. And the vision is that this could happen by 2020. So there is like a 2020 campaign. And of course, Glastonbury and the festival, it started out very much as part of some of the older listeners who remember this group, CND, the Campaign for Nuclear Disarmament. That was something that was very close to Michael's heart. Michael Evis still is. And um, so what I felt as mayor of Glastonbury was that it would be appropriate. And actually this was before I was mayor, when I was deputy, I talked to the then mayor, Denise Michelle, who incidentally is the, the widow of the guy who designed where the pyramid stage is in, in Glastonbury in the festival. So we talked about this and we felt that it would be appropriate for a place that has been a center of spirituality and peace right from its inception as a, as a mon monastic settlement way back when, perhaps even back to the dawn of Christianity. We thought this was probably a very appropriate thing for us to do. So we got in touch and we joined and it's been a really powerful thing. We started to hold um, every anniversary of the, the bombing of um, Nagasaki, we're holding now a vigil. And we have a peace poll, I don't know if you've come across this, which is also something that came out of um, Japan after the war, which says, may peace prevail on earth in many different languages. And we, we hold a, now a, a vigil, a kind of remembrance on, on the anniversary of that really dreadful bombing. And it seemed even more poignant this year um, with all of the things that are now in the news. You know, it seemed a very poignant thing. So I would urge every mayor of every town and every city to join Mayors for Peace and really stand up for a really safer world for the future and for our children and um, you know let's hope that that vision by 2020 that we can actually get rid of nuclear arms is is realized it would be a, an amazing thing absolutely i i quite agree with you i'll um i'll put some details on the show notes about how people can join it costs 2000 yen which sounds like an awful lot of money but the last time i checked the exchange rate that was about 15 pounds so i think <laughs> I think most bears can afford that out of It is. Um, I'm just. I'm just putting my hearing aid back in. <laughs> yes, it's so. It's very reasonable membership, and Absolutely. Um, it would and be. It goes hand in hand with the idea of uh, sort of representing your community. I'm sure there are a lot of people in Glastonbury that want to put peace back on the agenda, and um, you're. Yeah, I guess you're somebody who who likes the idea of a, a movement coming from the bottom up as well. Well, it's the, it's the only way, isn't it? Grassroots movements and uh, is true democracy and allowing that voice of everyday people, you know, the, the common people of the, the land, as it were, should be heard. You know, that's why we have a House of Commons after all. It's just unfortunate that most of the time our voice isn't. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I'm, I'm big, I'm big uh, for that. I think that that's why community organizing is such a powerful tool. You, you can't go into community organizing with an agenda. You, ha you find your agenda as a community through 
that active listening and through through that engagement and debate and conversation a two-way street and it's so funny I, I, I I'm sure you've experienced this on your council uh, not every councillor who gets elected is interested particularly in that two-way street because they're people who know best <laughs> and um, I'm not sure that's quite what a good councillor should be. If you look at the National Association of Local Councillors Guide to Good Counselling, they put consultation down as the key. And it's consultation with the whole community, isn't it? It's not just the people who elected you or the people who are your mates, everyone. And that the only vehicle I know that can really do this is the community organising techniques. And it's good old fashioned getting out there in your community and being present and listening, but listening without your agenda, without, you know, I suspend my agenda and I listen to the community. It's, um, it's interesting, isn't it? You said about the um, Mayor's for Peace. We, we do have very strong, you know, Glastonbury is always, I think, associated with that kind of idea of Glastonbury hippies and that whole kind of movement. And, and of course, it is but there's a very real sort of um ideas here about how we can practically move forward with these ideas in a kind of what, what i think people term i've certainly heard this as a kind of deep ecology a deep ecology approach to the planet and our position on it and this ties in with many of the sort of movements that have come out recently like the transition towns for instance and then there's a whole sort of agenda around uh, sustainable renewable energy, community renewables, and, and we've looked at that very much in the town as well. Um, you know, these things are about real grassroots people power, but around the sustainability of ourselves as a, as a community, as a nation, and as a planet. So, you know, that, that's very strong here. Uh, as you would imagine, you know, the, the way Glastonbury is and the type of people who come from Glastonbury and who come to Glastonbury. Absolutely, and I, <clears throat> I mean, I sort of think, I, I look at the news and they say, we, I think we, we live in some worrying times, don't we? And I think the, the, the first most important part of being sustainable is not having a nuclear war, isn't it? That's got to be where we start, hasn't it? Well, it's, it's not having... It's not having conflict at all, is it? You know, and conflict uh, resolution is something else that we, as first citizens, really need to embrace. I think, you know, within our communities, there not even in Glastonbury. You know, there's no community anywhere in the planet that won't have conflicting or you know people over here who don't talk to people over there within the community, etc. And Glastonbury has a, a potential for disunity because we have quite remarkably over 79 different faiths in the town so it the spiritualness of, of the place has attracted 79 different faiths creeds everything you can imagine every faith every path is represented here and so that's another another reason why it's quite important to have um, an idea about coming together, about unity, and about the things that unite us in our diversity. And so there's a very strong movement here, 
called the Unity Agenda, which is about, they have a, a phrase called unity through diversity, which I think, I think they nicked it from United Nations. But anyway, <laughs> we're, and that, that's, that's a, a really powerful thing. And it is great. We are a tolerant town. Without a shadow of a doubt, we're a tolerant town. And that's, I'm very proud of that. Um, and we have held events to, to signify unity uh, where, you know, there are people from so many different paths coming together. And it, it always strikes me as how remarkable it is that it is the place itself. It's Glastonbury that is the great unifier within that. That's why they're all here. They're all here because of something about this place. And so we in the town council have embraced that again over the last few years. We um, took the opportunity when it arose. I don't know if you recall when the, the whole debate around prayers, Christian prayers, Church of England prayers at the beginning of council meetings became a, an issue a few years back. So we actually decided to hold what is a Glastonbury um, thing, a silent minute at the beginning of our meetings. And the silent minute allows people of any faith to pray if they wish to, but people of no faith or people who, who are humanists or whatever can also just attune themselves in that way. And we hold a silent minute. And what we do at the very beginning of that is we light what has become quite a symbol in the town, the unity candle. So we have if where there's a guest of honor at the meeting we ask them to light the candle and then we stand for a, a minute silence and i i like to contemplate the idea of glastonbury being a light in the world as it were and that light going out everywhere so you know this is this is something that i find quite powerful and and it seems to have caught the imagination of the town as well and the uh, Pilgrim Reception Centre uh, now have, have the Unity Candle, which, which people who come here take away with them. And it's been going, it's all over the world now, Glastonbury's Unity Candle. So that's quite a, quite a great thing to have as well. Fantastic. Well, I, I, think, I think you have provided us with a, with a light, uh, a shining example of what, what mayors can achieve if they really... This, this, this is candlelight here, I must say. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't going to go with that particular part. I was just going to say you enlightened us with, uh, with, with what, what you've been up to. I think it's some, some truly, truly fantastic stuff. And I, I think starting your council meetings that way, I think is very, very powerful. One of the other people I've interviewed for this conference uh, talks about the thinking environment and how actually having a moment's silence for people to collect their thoughts really actually helps the meeting progress. Oh, so so absolutely. it's not, not just, you know, uh, a, a, a nice idea. It's actually got some psychology behind it. So fantastic stuff. Just uh, quickly, if people wanted to find out a little bit more about you, how would they go about doing that? Well, I think the quickest way is to just type in Glastonbury Town Council into a search engine of your choice and you will very quickly find links to all the councillors through that. Um, and uh, I'm one of 16 others, all of whom work very hard and diligently as well. Um, and our current mayor, Emma George, another mayor for peace. Um, she is doing amazing work. She's continuing with the um, 
sort of movement, as it were, that was started a few years ago by my colleague, Denny Michelle. I was very fortunate and honored to take the mantle on and now she's progressing with it too. And we didn't even mention about uh, getting rid of glyphosate. We banned glyphosate in Glastonbury as a response of, with the, from the community's uh, concerns. And we took on, through the Localism Act again, we took on weed control in the town with non-toxic um, weed control system, uh, which is a hot foam system and it's called foam screen, but other hot foam systems are available, ladies and gentlemen. So we are doing that as well. What I would just say, which I find interesting, is that we, we have set a preset now where we are providing our support for the police, which is something that really should be done nationally, but it's not happening. So we're doing it, we're taking it on through the Localism Act. We're buying some property, we're undertaking neighborhood plan, which is an amazing thing to do for a town. And that came through the Localism Act too. We have had a massive campaign here to keep the banks from leaving the town. That's well worth checking out. Last bank standing in Glastonbury. And through that, we, although the high street banks left, we attracted the Nationwide Building Society who come into town as a result of citizen action. So, and that's a really great campaign that we did. We're doing all of these things. We've bought a brand new building for the town to have as an information center. We're, we are doing this through consulting with the community and then doing what the community wants. All of these things, including the weed control, including the police and everything, we still have the lowest preset in the Mendips. And we're one of the lowest presets in Somerset. So it always makes me smile because I wonder what all these other towns are doing with their money. <laughs> no, well, fantastic. I mean, thank you so much for your time. I think you've, you've given people a lot to think about um, as first citizen and as councillors as well. And, you know, people who collaborate with the community rather than just tell it what to do. So uh, thank you so much for your time. It's, it's been fantastic. Thank you for having me. It's great, Duncan. Long-time listeners to the More Than A Chain podcast will know that I have a bit of a weird thing about mares in children's television programs. So you probably won't be enormously surprised to know that this month's civic role model is another mare from Kids TV. You might be surprised to find out it's the mare of Okie Doe because you've probably never heard of Okido and the show Messi Goes to Okido. Well, if you haven't, let me introduce you. The mayor of Okido wears nothing really other than a chain and a tricorn hat. Of course, I have mixed feelings about that. I'm not a massive fan of tricorn hats. I think they make you look like a pirate, but there we go. That's how they've chosen to depict the mayor. The chain, I have no argument with. Tricorn hat. Oh well, if you must, I suppose. So what's the Mayor of Okido actually like? What's he doing with his time? Well, he invested a lot of the taxpayers' money into a project called Mayor Force One, which I'm going to forgive him for because that, that's a really good pun. But but don't don't get a private jet. No, that's not why I like the Mayor of Okido. The reason why I like the Mayor of Okido is because... He sounds a little bit like Wallace from Wallace and Gromit. And I'm not just, you know, a big Ardman animation fan. That's not why I like it. I like it 
because he's got a regional accent. Now, that shouldn't be surprising, should it? I mean, mayors, they're regional, they're local, they come from a particular place. You shouldn't be surprised to see them depicted in the media with a regional accent. But hey, you know what? We are. Far too often, they're given some kind of plummy Etonian BBC English accent. And I'm not saying if you've got an accent like that, you shouldn't be mayor of anywhere. But heck, isn't it nice to see a local mayor representing their local community, talking them to, to them in their own language? I think that's really, really important. So, you know, if you have got a bit of an accent, don't get hung up on about, about it. Don't get worried about it. That's an important part of you. That is an important way you're showing the people that you're from their area, that you're like them. So, you know, embrace your accent, I would say. Don't try and hide it. Don't try and be mayoral. Be yourself just like the mayor of Okido. That's all we've got time for on More Than A Chain. The next episode will be hitting the airwaves on Tuesday, the 4th of September. It will have all of your favourites, media mayor, civic role model, the network news, and an amazing interview with Alistair Greener. He's going to show you how to present yourself in the media, and he's going to give you some amazing top tips. In the meantime, check out the show notes at theciviccoach.com. Jump onto Facebook, type in The Civic Network, join the network, join the group become a part of it and remember always always be more than a change